to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I am your host, Katrina Van Eyck, and in this episode, I interview an industry professional who has had 25 years of experience in the aquatics field. So please extend a big welcome to our podcast for Debbie Totoli. Debbie is an advanced level coach, a Swim Australia course presenter. She is on the Swim Australia Advisory Committee and also a Aster New South Wales board member. An accomplished and driven professional, Debbie has a passion for all things swimming. As a business owner, head coach, active teacher and course presenter, Debbie has expertise across a broad range of aquatic industry issues. She oversees five-star swim schools and over 100 staff and is dedicated to providing rewarding career opportunities and professional development to continue upskilling her team and the broader swimming community. Debbie is also the head coach of Kingcumber Pacific Dolphins swim team and has produced multiple state and national representatives, medalists and record holders. Through today's episode, Debbie shares some insights into her work as well as her thoughts on swimming in Australia and where she sees swimming moving to in the future. Please share any hidden gems or any points of interest you find in Debbie's interview on our Facebook page, Aquatic Mentors. You'll find her contact details listed at the end of our show notes. If you want to share your aquatic journey, please contact me via my email, regionalswimclinics at outlook.com. That's regionalswimclinics at outlook.com. We'd love to be able to share your story with our community of listeners. So let's jump in and find out more about Debbie's journey in swimming. So Debbie, how did you start your journey in swimming? My journey is a very interesting one and I think one that people get a bit of a surprise with. As a child, my my brother, who was five years older than me, was a competitive swimmer, but I wasn't allowed to do squads because my mother was worried that I'd get big shoulders. And so I did a little bit of learn to swim, but was exposed to competitive swimming through my brother. That was the end of that. You know, I really didn't think about it. I'm not much of a swimmer at all. I can do it, but really not much of a swimmer. And then off I went to work and then got married, had my children. I'd always wanted to work in childcare, but I had no qualification. So I was an early school leaver. So I left in year 10, well, it was fourth form back in my day. So really no opportunity to go to university. And a friend of mine was doing an Oswim course. And I thought, oh, that might be interesting. And it might give me some sort of backup to get into some childcare perhaps. So I did the Oswim and did my training and have never looked back. Just absolutely fell in love with the whole swimming arena. That's really how it started. I started as a young mum with three kids looking for a bit of part-time work, really not thinking about swimming at all, but as a means to go somewhere else. And that's how my journey began. Wow, that's an amazing journey. I know, I know. (laughs) That's great. And that's it. It's going into the industry, having that background of thinking, well, I could use this for another career, but then falling in love with it and wanting to continue on. And now you've moved on to management. I still have my finger in every pie. So we have 
five swim schools on the Central Coast, soon to be six, but I'm still actively coaching. So I coach our, our senior squad. I'm not in the water as often as I would like to be, but the reason for that is my inconsistency. So I really believe that kids need consistent teaching. So I was being a little bit selfish and still in the water one day a week, but then I'd be away for a conference or I'd have a meeting and it just really wasn't fair on the kids. So yes, I manage, I coach, I present, I will get in the water where needed for some staff training. I'll get in the water if a teacher's away. Wow, good work. So you're really multifunctional and being in that pool and covering every environment. I really like how you do that. And it shows a good leader. I know from work I've done in other industries, we always sit there and think the CEO and the manager doesn't get in the with the, the high yeah. help, we call ourselves. And you can see that they are disconnected from what it's like. Whereas with yourself, you're in the pool, you're in working hands-on, it makes a big difference. Yeah, I think it does. I, th- I really do think it makes a difference when people can see that you're willing to get in and do that. However, in saying that, I think that the role of a swimming teacher is actually so undervalued that we look at it at the bottom tier of any swimming organisation. And I think we have to remember that these are the people that are what the swimming industry is all about, you know, bringing your children to learn how to swim. A receptionist, a manager is not going to do that. It's the swimming teachers that are the most important asset to the aquatics industry, definitely. Yeah, and I love that. That's right. You know, that's where every swimmer begins from is that learn to swim side of it. And so, yeah, as swim teachers, we set them on that journey ourselves. So I really like that, looking into that in that way. Well done. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned in your swimming journey so far? I've learned so many lessons, some the very, very hard way, but I'm going to say the biggest lesson is to allow children to develop at their own rate, to really develop a love for swimming right from an early age and to just allow them that time to find their own love for it. And that can be sometimes very difficult when you've got parents that are expecting fast results. So trying to manage that and get them to see the importance of allowing a child to develop a love for the water And then they can move on to anything they want to, anything, you know, as far as aquatics go. So be it surfing or bodyboarding, water skiing or competitive swimming. But they need to have that love for it first or they're never, ever going to stay with it. And I think early on I made the mistake of wanting to get quick results, even in the learn to swim. I I can get this, you know, four-year-old to be doing butterfly and isn't this great. But did they love it? Did they enjoy coming to the lesson? That would be my biggest lesson of trying to really get people to understand that it really is about developing some safety and a love for the water. Yeah, and that's a good point. I know it's been a a topic that's come up in other podcasts is the fact that as a swim teacher, you need to have a love for the water and as a coach. But, you know, that is the thing you need, your children that you teach need to have a love for the water too, to be able to experiment and play and then go on and do the other activities and have such a great water base and understanding of water safety around it. So that's a, yeah, a really strong lesson for everyone to learn. Yeah. So what's been the highlight of your swimming journey? Look, I've got a lot of highlights. I think 
competitively my first and, and only, so I say first, national age gold medal was I, I remember I felt like a bride on a wedding day. I couldn't stop smiling. I couldn't control it. Just that joy of actually seeing that not only did my swimmer have the talent, but perhaps I had the talent to get her to that point was an absolute highlight and a confidence booster. But there's another particular instance of a a young girl that I had in Learn to Swim from about five years old through to about 12 years old. And she'd come from a broken family and I really had a soft spot for her. And through our swim club, we, we used to do trips. So she came to New Zealand with us when she was only eight years old, very young. We had quite a relationship. But when she stopped swimming, I didn't see her. And then I was coaching one night and she would have been about 16. I think she was year 11 at school. And they'd been asked to write an essay on somebody. It could be a public figure, could be anybody that had impacted their life. And she came in to tell me, I wrote my essay on you. And in all, like I've been doing this a long, long time and I didn't realise the impact that I'd had on her through this. Like it was just so beautiful and I know we hear stories like this all the time, but I, I think it's another lesson that we have to be responsible for the impact that we're having on not just the children, on their families, in our roles. And, yeah, it really was. That was a huge highlight apart from my (laughs) Wow, that's gorgeous. Oh, I love that. It's very emotional. Yeah, it's very emotional. And it is the thing that we have to realise that we are making an impact. I mean, like you said earlier at the start, having that consistency when we're seeing those kids, we're seeing them week in, week out, especially if you're at a year-round swim school. So they're building that relationship with you. They're growing with you. And as you said, you've dealt with that child. Um, was it eight to...? Five till about 12. So it was about seven years. That... Seven years, yeah. yeah. And you're That's... seeing such a big growth in that child's mm-hmm. development. She's developing in the water having fun and giving it a go. You're making that relationship. You develop from a learn to swim to a coach as well when she's physically able to do more laps. And you're seeing her grow as a human being, hit those teenage years and develop herself through there. So you are making an impact. And being a coach and also a swim teacher, you're someone out of the family circle that they can relate to. And they're probably going to be more genuine and forthright with a lot of things with you than they would with their parents. So We need to understand that we do make a big impact on these kids. And then on the other side, if we do make a bad impact, it's something that will last with the kids as well for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think, something we really, really have to take into account. So in particular, once they start swimming more often, like my kids are swimming, when I say my kids, my swimmers, some of them are swimming seven or eight sessions a week. Now, that's a lot of time that we're spending with them. And so we have to be careful of what, messages we're giving them not just about swimming but about life what sort of attitudes and values are getting them to to develop really good values for them moving forward as they grow into young adults yeah that's right you're a significant figure in their lives and we need to remember the impact that we make because yeah we're giving them values we're getting them to understand life a lot of the time they'll come to you with questions that you think wow you know to be able to 
have an understanding, you need to be able to help them through those steps. So I think that's a really good point and I like that. And then on your other highlight, amazing. How amazing would that be? And I could just imagine you running around the pool deck smiling and cheering and hugging everyone. <laughs> I just couldn't stop smiling. It surprised me. It actually surprised me because I'd not really imagine what, what that would be. Like I was hopeful that she would medal, but we certainly weren't expecting a gold medal. But I, I would never have imagined that I would react that way. I knew I'd be happy. But this was like just static, overjoyed, yeah, lunatic type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Imagine you two both go on lunatic stuff. They wouldn't have known what's hit them in the swimming new south. Uh, and that's brilliant. It makes a, a big difference. And I think for the swimmer to be able to see that coming from you as well. It's absolutely amazing for them to be able to get that interaction from you and see how much their achievement affected you as well. Yeah, that's true. So is there anyone that played a big role in your swimming journey or is there a few people that made a difference? Probably a few people. So my now business partner who was my boss when I first started out in the journey, Tony Smith. So he was the coach of our swim club at the time and his passion for swimming and in particular for elite level swimming was just infectious and I think that's what really got me in hook, line and sinker. His care for having an organisation that is, I guess, caring, supportive of the staff has just, he has always affected how I try to run the business now. So he would probably be the number one there But there's been so many people throughout my career that have touched me through Learn to Swim teachers. And it may just be even some of my staff have just, you know, you can look at a hierarchy structure and they sit under me and yet I admire the qualities that they've got. And and so not so much mentorshiping, but it's looking at them and thinking, wow, how can I put some of that into my teaching or into my repertoire? Of course, there's so many successful Australians that, you know, we all look look up to. I I guess Laurie Lawrence springs to mind. How can you not love Laurie for his passion and his advocacy for safety around the water is just phenomenal. I've also had great support from Gary Toner. So I've known Gary for a very, very long time. And so he's been extremely supportive. And another person that I do look up to for his values and his passion, but probably the list goes on and on and on. And then my peers, so, you know, coaches that I'm in contact with on a weekly basis are just so supportive. I just find it a really supportive industry and one that I'm proud to be a part of and I know that whatever issue I've got, there's someone I can turn to. I don't have to do it alone. There's someone that can give me advice and help out or lend an empathetic ear. Yeah, too many people, too many. (laughs) It is. It's about everyone in the industry. They all make an impact on you, whether it be your staff or whether it be people in governing bodies like Gary, who I've made a great connection with and I definitely, like yourself, value his opinions as well and his guidance. But then you've got other people involved in the industry, um, other swim teachers, other coaches, and I think that's what it is. It's everyone comes together, especially in the the learn to swim and the 
we come together and we're happy to help each other out. If you're struggling, you can always just ask. And a lot of the time, people have been through it themselves. So they're understanding, they know what you're going through and, and what's helped them, what could help you. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I love that. And such a broad range. It's perfect because that's what we want new coaches to be able to see and new swim teachers coming out is that you can go to anyone. It's not just the management above you. It's, you know, the person in the lane next to you teaching as well. I think as as a younger coach, I, I really struggled with asking for help on pool deck. I was intimidated by the other coaches. And once I actually did strike up a conversation or two, I just found it to be the total opposite to the perception that I had of this group of people that knew each other. And, of course, they do. You know, coaches probably live a fairly insular life where you get out on pool deck at a big meet and that's almost like going to the local pub to see everybody. And so, but I was just sort of blown away by the willingness to impart knowledge and and to show a genuine care in lowly little me at the time, I guess. Yeah, so it really is, as I said, a very supportive industry. Yeah, it's amazing. I had the same circumstance and the same lesson myself coming out. You know, when I first started out, I was nervous and I went under, my training went under someone who, I suppose, it was coming up to a busy season for them and they were more high performance and coming in, I wasn't great with timing and things like that. So I was probably not right for her at that time. And I, I got this generalisation that, you know, if you're not up there, they're not interested. They, they don't want anything to do with you. You're taking too much of their time. And then through recommendations, through mentors, I went under another coach locally here and he was absolutely amazing. And then I've connected with other people people that you know as well through swimming that have just yeah you do have that genuine perception of oh you know they're all involved in their own clubs they wouldn't want to talk to me or they don't want to help me out but you know they want to see other people themselves and grow in the industry and shine as well it's they know the value of what other people bring and it's not just a selfish environment that they need to focus on themselves yeah definitely yeah and and I think that's how we bring our industry forward as well just by that community. Yeah, and I really like that because that's something I think, especially with the ASTA webinars that they've been focusing on is, you know, when you presented yours yesterday and you said you've done others as well, getting people that are in the industry to present what they know and what they are, you know, specialising or their niche as well really brings that forward and brings that involvement in that community that we can develop. Yeah. And that's been something with COVID is that we've really connected and got together and made that community. I think you're right, Katrina. It's been COVID, I mean, as horrible as, as it is, and, you know, I've said to you about Victoria, I just think it's, I can't imagine what you're going through. But when you look at the positives, I think the connections that we've all made through being forced into it, I guess, have just been huge. And I hope that, I hope that we continue those connections into the future when things relax. I think we will. I think it's changed the way we think and how we do connect. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's made a big impact and a big difference that we've come together in an industry. That, and I think also, and that will come through industry leaders as well as your everyday swim teacher and coaches in the public too. Yeah. 
So I'm interested, really interested in this question because of your background as having the five, nearly six, fantastic swim schools and also your ASTA presenter role as being involved in the industry for a while as well. What advice would you give to a new swim teacher or a new coach coming into the industry? Uh, Learn as much as you can. That's 100% the easiest question you've asked me. Never, ever stop learning. There is so much to learn and I just find the more you learn, the more you are able to, you know, really be successful in what you do. But it's such a challenging, it's not difficult, but it's also a challenging job that we're dealing with not only the technical side of swimming, but personalities and everything that goes with it. There's so much to it. So For any new teacher, I think don't be overwhelmed. You can only know what you can know in small steps. And wherever you are at the moment is perfect for you. That's perfect. And you grow as you go. I always think back to when I first started teaching and I couldn't wait to have my first shift by myself. And that was after, like, I'm talking three solid months of training. I thought I'd never be allowed to teach. And if I think back to that, I knew it all. I just, you know, I've done all this training, I know everything, and now I look back and think, I really didn't know much at all, but I still did a really good job, and those kids still swam. So I think don't sell yourself short if you if you think, I don't know what they know, I don't have that experience. Enjoy it, Get, like share the love of the water, and you can't go wrong. Yeah, and that's, how, and that's been a big theme is always learning in this podcast. Everyone said is always learning. And I really like that. And for me, it was a big issue because I sort of came into the industry thinking, oh, my God, I don't know enough. I t- did my first couple of seasons in our outdoor pool here and thought, I've got to know more. I've got to know more. I need to know more. I need to do this. And so since then, I've always been studying and always learning. But I think it's something I've realised that I need to actually then take that knowledge and put it into practice. And I don't need to know everything. Take the time to get to know certain areas, certain niches, work on what will actually affect you and in the pool and what can give you advantage in the water as well. It's interesting you say that, Katrina. I'm a mad note taker. So I've been going to the ASTA conferences for longer than I can remember and come back with pages and pages of notes And I remember a a wise coach once saying to me, just take away three things and implement them into your program. And so I started to adopt that because I'd come back with all these notes and it'd be overwhelming of where do I start. And it's really funny. It's not that long ago I was going through some really old notes and I looked at things that I'd never looked at before in those notes that now are more relevant than they were at the time. It's like, oh, wow, that's great. I don't remember that and think, yeah, that wasn't in my three things at the time. So I I think whatever is your level at the time, take things, try to implement a couple of things at a time. Some will work, some won't. And that's the other thing. Don't feel like you're a failure if you implement something. It just doesn't work for you because we're all individuals. We all bring our own personality and our own slant on how we teach and coach. Yeah, and that's right. And going to the conferences, you take ideas out of what the presenters have to say and how you can then adapt it onto what works for you. And I think I'm exactly the same. I've got books on books on books of notes that I've taken and pages and, you know, especially webinars now and things like that. I'm always stopping and writing pages of notes. And I look at it and I think, well, it gets out what I'm thinking and 
writes it down. It brings out those points that they're saying because they always say, write down your, your points, you'll remember them better. But I come out of those conferences the same as you. I sort of get overwhelmed. I have so many ideas that I want to put in place. And the same thing, you know, you'll be looking at, oh, if I was managing swim schools, I could do this and I could do that. But realistically, at your point of time, that doesn't suit what you're doing. But it is something to relook at later on. I actually can't wait to sit back and look through all my notes and see all the interesting things I've had in there. It's such a good idea. It's about taking what suits you now and what you can work with, not getting overwhelmed with it all. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. A good point you had as well is realising where you are at the time because I think I had the generic view that a lot of coaches that I was friends with or I knew you know, had years and years and years on me. They were a lot older and therefore that's why they were better. But I found out two of my, well, Simon Watkins and Hayden Belshaw, are only a few years older than me. And yes, they're more advanced. They've got a lot more wisdom. They have been doing it for a lot longer. I mean, they... Oh, sorry, Katrina. I think Simon Watkins is actually a lot, lot, lot older than you. So he could be lying about his age. <laughs> I have to throw that in. <laughs> Perfect, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yes, Simon, you've been burned. <laughs> well, if we go off the conversation, the time <laughs> would be lying as well. But, <laughs> oh, but that is, it's something when I sat back and realised that I remember emailing them going, man, you guys are only like four or five years older than me. But, you know, they've been in it for a lot longer and we've got to realise that when we come into the system is where we are at the time. We can't be judging on what they know because they've been in it since they were young. Exactly. So my son started in the aquatics industry as a learner swim teacher when he was 16. So, you know, obviously mum's at the pool, so he starts working there. He's now manager and part owner at 33. I started in the industry at 30. So at his age is when I'm starting. I was so green. He, at the same age, has like 16 years experience on me, on what I had at the same age. So you're exactly right. You've got to look at, you know, the length of time in the industry as well. That, and I guess the opportunities in front of you. But it doesn't mean that it's going to take 16 years to, to get there. Throw yourself into it and learn as much as you can and, and surround yourself with people with more experience, I guess, and ask them questions until they get so annoyed with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure. It's what I always say. I'm always messaging Hayden and, and Joe, I love, and just like, look, I'm sorry, but I've got another question. Do you mind? I'm, they just sit there and go, not her again. Oh, they would not. They would be loving it. yeah they're always willing to answer and I I always think man I wish hopefully one day I'll be able to give back to them or you know give to someone else what they've done for me as well I think that's the best gift you can is to then pass on what you learn from them to someone else Katrina I think you're already there with how much you're doing for the swimming community of giving back so yeah don't sell yourself short you are definitely already there Thank you. That's very kind. (laughs) I'm glad to be able to do it and share it. So for you, what does swimming look like in the future? For us locally, we've really had to, of course, 
think about how we run. If, if I'm talking about competitive swimming now, so we've got a swim club that runs out of our pool. So what we've done with that is we're running it as normal, back to normal swim club. However, we are an indoor pool, so the only parents that can come in are those that are on a roster to time keep. So we use Sign Up Genius, so they can put their own names down to time keep. We've got five grades of swimming, so they, you know, whichever grade they'd like to time keep. We, previous to COVID, we've got quite a large swim club and we'd have trouble getting timekeepers, like no one wanted to do it. And now there's an influx because that's the only way they're coming in the door. So we've lost a couple of members, but generally most of the kids are back and the parents are very accepting of that. And so we've got a close-knit community of people wanting to help out. And I think that into the future, into the near future anyway, we'll have to continue going down that path. Uh, we have a carnival coming up that we're hosting. Our local, car- our local council won't allow us to have anybody outside our local government area at the carnival, which is fine. That's no drama. So it becomes a much smaller carnival than we're used to. It'll be small, intimate. The kids will be excited just to be in and racing. And I do think moving forward, that's what we've got to be looking at is, is trying to provide racing opportunities for the kids, but in a different format where they're shorter days, shorter periods, fewer people. So maybe perhaps more meaningful as well because of, because of the format they will be. As far as the learn to swim industry goes, I can only speak for New South Wales. I, I don't know where how it looks for any other state but at the moment we're pretty good we we just have to maintain social distancing within our centres and be careful of numbers Uh, I think that basically it's back to normal if you like but we need to really be out there in the community and pushing the fact that water safety is paramount in these times so kids that have perhaps missed out on swimming lessons due to COVID are now a higher risk moving into the summer period. So I think for me, swimming looks like we've got to be more community-based of getting that message out of how important swimming lessons are. Yeah, and that is a really good point. It it does need to become community-based. That's something we find out in regional and rural areas, that you are driven by your community. Uh, I think that's a good lesson to learn, whether it be the community as swim teachers, as a an industry and the community that you work in as well. I think really focusing on that side is great. I love what you said about having to change and adapt swimming racing and swim meets, bringing that intimacy back to it and the the value of, you know, that race and that swim, I think is just a major thing. And I really like, we spoke, uh, Joanne Love spoke on her podcast last week about what New Swimming New South Wales are doing with the Swim League. That sort of environment is a great way, I think, of developing swimming and bringing that community and that intimacy back to it. Yeah, definitely. We've actually got, coming up in a, in a couple of weeks, three local swim clubs will start a dual meet series. So it'll be each club will compete twice, so we compete against each other, sort of club to club and... There's another way, it's sort of swim league-ish style, if you like, but just looking at different opportunities that we can 
keep people safe and still give them the meaningful competition that will keep them in the sport. Yeah, that's right. And it's perfect, that connection. And then you're completing that community aspect with other swim clubs in the area, and I really like that. That's something I wanted to do here against football clubs. So bringing in that pre-season football training into the pool and then having them compete off and then hopefully generating some interest in swimming over the summer as well. So a really- Great idea, Katrina. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> Writing that one down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it brings in other people into the sport and generates interest and it develops. We've been doing a bit of pre-season training with the swim club that I'm involved in for their footy club local footy club and it's been amazing how we've had kids that started off they pretty much spent most of the session they do half an hour in the pool and half an hour out and they were only in a 50 meter pool they're only going for that 25 meters but you could see that they were struggling we gave them flippers we gave them kickboards and everything by the end of the 12 weeks these kids were doing laps on laps on laps they had the best technique the best style and they were just getting in they didn't need all that flotation devices anymore and their fitness they kept saying how strong they were that's so good that's so good and and if they never have another interest in swimming again you've given them a skill that they'll keep for life definitely yeah that's that's right yeah no i love it it's a great idea my last question here is how do you think as an individual and as an industry we can promote and develop learn to swim and the competitive side of swimming to encourage more participants, all of that with less funding? Yeah, well, I think that if we're doing it with less funding, I think that it comes down to, yeah, you're right, individuals and individual organisations to all be using the same messaging. So straight up, I'm thinking about, you know, the work Swim Australia does and they're always doing some fantastic social media, you know, little ads on on the importance of swimming if everybody gets behind that and shares it to their local community straight up there's a free no funding involved in that um, apart from what some Australia has, has put into um, actually producing those so that's a great way but social media is such a great tool such a great tool so if we can be getting stories interest stories we know that if we use actual swimmers in a story and it might be a story about someone that had fell in a pool and saved themselves or some sort of public interest story that gets out in on social media or if you have the power to into your local newspapers we're we're not very successful in this area with them picking up anything but I know some areas are very good but I think yeah we've all got to take a bit of responsibility of getting the message out as individuals and as individual as private organisations rather than waiting for somebody to do it for us. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's something that's come up in other podcasts as well. And especially I spoke to Jason Helwig, so he's the CEO of Swimming Victoria. And he spoke about the same thing. He said, there's no point waiting for industry bodies and industry leaders to be doing this stuff. You can do it yourselves. And it's about promoting the industry from grassroots up. They'll be there as industry leaders to support us and to develop where they can, but it becomes personal. We can do it ourselves. We can make a difference ourselves. Most definitely. And I think I can safely say that 
the majority of people in the aquatics industry or those that have been in it for more than, you know, a couple of years have that same focus that it really is about getting people involved and, and, you know, making sure that young Australians are safe in and around the water. So I, I know that we've got transient instructors that it, it might just be a job, but I would say that generally speaking, the majority of people in this industry are here because they want to be, because it would be much easier to go and work at Coles or McDonald's or if it's just about the money. So we're looking at a group that I think has the ability to promote to the community because they believe in it. Yeah, and that's it. And that's something, I mean, I've been lucky enough to be featured in a few news reports and I said to someone, you know, how come I'm getting out there when everyone else is, you know, putting in the work and, and pushing themselves as well? And someone said, you can just see the passion. And that's something a lot of people have said to me when I, and my husband says it all the time. He's like, can you not talk about swimming because you never talk <laughs> <love> it? <laughs> But it's just that we have so much passion for the industry and what we do that you can tell straight away when you talk to someone that they're in love with it and they're actually enjoying what they're doing and what they're talking about. And I guess the next part to that is Australia needs more Katrinas. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know about that. And see, this is one of those things when you, when you think you look at other people in the industry and try to take bits of what they do really well and I, I think you put a lot of us to shame, Katrina, in our lack of advocacy, if you like, for you, you're just doing an amazing job. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. And no, I definitely, I shouldn't put anyone to shame because, you know, it just happens if I, I'm that sort of person that if I find something's been pushed down or, you know, not listened to, I'm the one to stand up for it and get passionate about it or overpassionate. But I think there's so many people in the industry that even a little bit, they do so much in just a little bit that they do. Just writing one email or writing one thing or speaking to someone is still a, an amazing thing. So it doesn't matter where you're getting out there and lucky enough to be pushing it on TV or on interviews or doing a podcast, just being able to do that one little step makes a big difference in the industry as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we all do our bit, we can make a huge difference. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And to do what you're skilled at as well. Yeah, if you're skilled at social media, push that. Or if you're skilled at you're talking to camera, push that. Or videos. Or it's all taking what you can do and what you're skilled in to be putting out the passion in the industry. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, thank you. Well, that's my last question. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share? Just to really be passionate about what you do, take a bit of Katrina's enthusiasm and put it into what you do and, and that we are one community, we are one right from Learn to Swim through to Elite Coaching. We are one community with, with the same goals and if we work together and individually to promote swimming in Australia, we're really going to bring it forward. Perfect. Well said. And I think we need to uh, finish with the We Are Australian song. We are one, but we are many. I think that would just be a perfect slot to put in at the end. <laughs> and you want me to sing that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are so funny, Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be a good plan. <laughs> Off you go. You sing and I'll harmonise. 
yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. I haven't okay. up the vocal cords yet. <laughs> maybe uh, next conference we get to after a few drinks. Yeah, give me a drink or two and then you might get me there. All right, yeah, perfect. That sounds good. <laughs> and these dance moves that I keep hearing about, we can bring oh, them. Oh, they're good. They're good. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for your time. It's oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. It's nice to talk to you. And, and I, I truly do mean it from the bottom of my heart. You're doing an amazing job, Katrina. So well done to you. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. It makes a difference to be able to help out where I can. Yeah. I, was up there at, I know you're definitely thinking of us down here in good old Vic. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to know that the industry is sympathetic to what we're going oh, through. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My heart breaks for you all. It really does.